Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Jeff Cook with Jeff Cook Real Estate in Charleston, South Carolina. Last year, he closed 1,065 transactions with a total sales volume of $254 million and a GCI of $8.3 million. His average sales price was $238,000, of which 61% were buyers and 39% were sellers. Jeff has a massive 191-person team in seven locations. There are 163 agents, including seven general sales managers, three assistant managers, two assistant managers, and one broker in charge. And there are 28 staff members, including five department heads, three listing, three closer, six ISA, eight marketing, five accounting, one ops manager, and one CEO. Jeff is the CEO and team leader of the Jeff Cook Real Estate Team. He's been an agent for 15 years and works the Charleston, Greenville, and Columbia, South Carolina markets. In this call, Jeff talks about being fired for being too good, his slow start in real estate, gaining traction and building a huge team, running a team as an independent brokerage, expansion into multiple offices, mistakes made, and lessons learned. When entering a new market, which is better? prospecting, or marketing? How many square feet are necessary for each person on your team? Permanent versus virtual office space. Why relationships trump process? Why he has 110 billboards, what's on them, and what works? When radio ads work and when they don't. The power of Google reviews and Facebook reviews and how to get them. Profit margins, team dynamics, compensation, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Jeff. Mike, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited for today. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Hey, Jeff, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people always ask, you know, what made you get into the real estate game? And so for me, it was it was a little bit different than most people. I was at university, uh, University of South Carolina back in 2002. And they brought us all in one day and they said, you know, I worked for the big uh, Circuit City company back then. I don't know if you remember, you remember Circuit City back in the day, Mike? I do, yeah. The old TV company. Well, anyways, they brought us all in one day and they said, you know, we basically have to have a meeting and, and talk about, um, you know, there was Best Buy at the time was the newcomer. And by, at that point in time, Circuit City was a lot bigger than Best Buy. Um, and so they brought us in and said, we want to have, you know, a strategy meeting. So they had all the top producers of the company because we were, we were hundred percent commission, which was interesting. They had all the top producers meet at like 7am and then another group at 8am, another group at 9am. 
And so anyway, so we show up at 7 a.m. the next morning for the meeting, and uh, they basically, it was five of us, me and the top four other guys in the store, and they basically said, hey, time for you guys to pack up your stuff. You're no longer employed here, and literally had a security guard escort us out of the building. And we asked, we said, you know, what in the world just happened here? You know, you just got rid of your best five sales guys. And they said, yeah, same thing all across the country. Every store, we can't afford to pay you guys as much as you're making because you're on commission. And we're restructuring all the pay plans to go from commission-based sales to hourly-based sales. And your hourly pay rate is equal to whatever you average commission. And you guys worked too hard and sold too many items, and so therefore we can't afford to pay you what you average, so therefore you guys are fired as of today. And so with that being said, I walked out of there, and I was still in college, but some of the other guys that were there with me, 40 years old, 50 years old, have been with the company for 30 years, and they had been there for a long time. Um, and so it was, it was kind of a tough day, you know, and more so for those guys than for me, but it was frustrating for me too. And when I left there, I decided, you know what, I want to do something that doesn't require me to have to climb a corporate ladder, something where I can control my own destiny, my own outcome. Um, you know, and just the harder I work, the better off I'm going to get paid and the more recognition I'm going to get myself versus having to wait for the other guy, if you will. Um, and so I started thinking about it. I still had six months left in college and I decided to either do insurance or real estate. And I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. And I looked to my parents' friends and, you know, the real estate agent drove a Jaguar and the insurance agent drove a Jeep. So I decided to go real estate. <laughs> <laughs> All because of the Jaguar. Uh, so anyway, so I jumped into real estate sales that very last semester in college. I graduated from a university and I graduated with a real estate license. All in the same you know, semester. And so that was the start for me. It was all because I got laid off from corporate America and wanted to do my own thing. Let me ask you this. When you jumped into real estate, you had some sales experience. How did that first year go? Was it a fast start or a slow start? Well, you know, it was like the first year for anybody. You know, it, it didn't take off like I wanted it to, um, you know. And so I joined a big box company. I did not join a real estate team. Teams weren't really a thing back then, especially in South Carolina. And so back in 2003, I went to a big box company, joined them, and, you know, I go to my broker, and I say to my broker, I was like, what, what can I do? Because this guy's well-known around town, selling a couple hundred homes a year himself, plus he's owning this franchise of this brokerage that I joined. And he says, all you got to do is get your name out there. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, what do I do for that? And he goes, I get the perfect thing. So he told me to meet him at the office one day, and he pulled out from under the desk. I'll never forget this. Pulled out from under the desk a box of a thousand announcement cards that said, I've just gotten into real estate. Let me help you buy or sell your home. And he said, you need to order a thousand business cards and put them in there and mail them out to everybody. And so I did. And so I literally mailed out 1,000 announcement cards. And I, I was very strategic about who I sent it to. I sent it to my friends. I sent it to my parents' friends. I sent it to people out on the main road. So therefore, I could get some listing signs out there, get my name out there some more. You know, I was very strategic about that. And of course, I was just like any other broke college student, by the way. I had no money, but I borrowed 1500 bucks from my dad to start in the real estate business, which was intriguing. And so I asked my broker, I'm like, well, what's this going to cost me? He's like, it's going to cost you about 800 bucks to send these out. And I said, oh, goodness, okay. I'm like, well, I got 1500 you know, so let's, uh, let's do it. And so anyway, I spent 800 of the $1,500, mailed out these announcement cards, and got absolutely zero phone calls, not one. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So at that point in time, I was like, you know, I'm not sure if I could listen to the broker about how I need to grow this business, you know, because obviously he had some secrets that either he wasn't going to share or he didn't really know how he got successful. Uh, but nonetheless, it got a little better from there. That was all in the first 60 days. It got a little better from there. I, uh, you know, the main thing I'll tell you, you have to attribute to is I showed up. I showed up there. It was a smaller office, 40 agents. And, you know, everybody there was competing for office space. They were competing for sales and recognition and all this stuff. And, but the idea was there's a lot of, you know, 7 to $15 million a year producers inside that office. And so I showed up and listened to all of them. I listened to their phone scripts. I'd pass by what they say. You know, they're going out on a ride. I jump in the car with them. Can I shadow you and all this stuff? And, you know, and the, and the other thing that I did was successful. I just wouldn't take no for an answer. At 5 o'clock in the day when the receptionist went home, they'd leave the office at 5.01. It looked like a drag race on the way out of the office, you know, for people to blow out of there. So I'd go switch the phones over. 5.02, I'd switch the phones over and I'd say they're at 9 o'clock at night. Any incoming phone call on a property or whatever, I would just accept. And a lot of times the phone would ring a couple times a night. Sometimes it would never ring. But nonetheless, I stayed there every single day until 9 o'clock. And during that time, I would listen to, you know, different podcasts or, you know, study things or what have you. Um, and that's really how I got in. And, and I remember my first sale. I was sitting on, uh, you know, one of those phone calls that came in after hours. And the idea was, is that I was hoping that somebody was ready to buy a home because, you know, I had a couple months worth of income, but not much. You know, I was kind of still living at home with my parents. I had a lot of expenses, but, you know, my dad had just, you know, just helped me get through college, you know. So, of course, I was on the five-year plan, most good real estate agent, so still had the four-year plan. But the thing was, is that he said to me, he goes, look, I'll support you in this real estate thing, but you got a few months to make it work. And so I was like, all right. So the pressure was just on, you know, and takes a little while to get ramped up. But anyway, one of those phone calls came in and I pop-tarted. You know, I jumped out of the office. I went to go show this home. And it was a guy that wanted to buy a property. It was, you know, about $250,000 price range. And everybody in the office told me, I said, there's no reason to show that property. You don't even know if the guy's pre-approved, you whatever. But fortunately enough, I was at the right place at the right time. And then I bought the property and I made my first commission. And I got the the hunger after that for getting a couple thousand dollar paycheck. So that was kind of the first year for me. So Jeff, that very first year, how many homes did you sell? Do you remember how many homes you sold that year? Yeah, that first year, I think it was somewhere between, you know, 11 or 12 properties uh, that I finished out for the year. You know, and this was like anything. The first six months, it was three properties in the last six months. So it was six or nine properties. So it uh, it ramped up towards the end of the first year after you kind of get your feet wet and understand what you're doing. How long have you been doing this? Let me ask you that. Yes, yeah, so I got uh, so I graduated college and started uh, all in 2003. May of 2003 was my start date. So we're talking about 15 years now. Yeah, right at 15 years. We had a 15 year anniversary this past year, so been quite the ride, man. I've seen the ups and the downs of all of it, that's for sure. Well, let's talk about this. Let's fast forward to today. How many homes did you sell last year, and what was the sales volume? So this past year, we were right at uh, 1,065 homes sold. Um, Internally, we call it family served. Um, You know, so it was an amazing year. We are on track this year for about 1,350 family serve, uh, which is awesome. So it's been quite an amazing time. And as far as sales volume, our average sales price is around 238000 So we were right at $255 million in volume last year. Wow. Do you recall the GCI last year? I do. I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was eight point three million in GCI. Wow, that's extraordinary. That is that's amazing. Now I'm I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to know how you sold so many homes, and uh, I I'm going to let the genie out of the bottle right now by asking how many team members do you have? So last year, whenever we did a thousand sixty-five, we did that with eighty agents. And so, you know, people all the time say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, 80? And the answer is, yeah, 80 agents. Um, and so our average agent does, you know, 15, 16 home sales a year. Um, and the interesting thing is we've just ramped up to increase that number from 80 agents up to about 130 agents, between 130 and 140 and we've just launched some new agent initiatives and some success plan growth opportunities that we have internally. And so a lot of people are getting into the real estate business right now because the economy is so good. And also, I also get the question a lot, well, you know, is this a general brokerage? Um, and every one of these 80 agents, by the way, are on a 50-50 split and are all team agents. And the primary source of all of their business comes directly from team-generated business and team-generated leads not personal deals. Um, in fact, of the 1,065, about 110, I think, of those deals were generated by the agent. And then the other 950 or so were generated from the company, handed to the agents. Wow, that, that's really interesting. That flashes me all the way back to when I started in the business way back in 93. And I started with a company that was on a 50-50 split. But they weren't giving me a lot of leads. They were just giving me an office, a, a desk to work at, I think a cubicle to start. And it sounds like you're providing a lot more than those old timers did with their uh, setup. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I started with the same type of an arrangement. I remember that first commission check, I got was a 50-50 deal, and I had to generate the deal myself. It wasn't a deal that was handed to me. So I remember it well. Uh, but yeah, you're right. In, in regards to that, um, go through some of our agent services. We have, um, additionally, we do have about 10 agents that are general brokerage agents, Then those do not count towards those numbers. That's a separate data set. You know, so, so we do have 10. If somebody wanted to join us general brokerage, they could, but that's not really our focus. It's not what we're really good at. But we do have that option if someone wants to come along and join our brand for that. The numbers that I'm describing here today are completely outside of that. None of those homes sold were as a result of general brokerage. So you consider yourself a team, just to clarify for everyone, you consider yourself a team and not a brokerage. That's right. We are a team. We are an independent real estate company, but we are a real estate team. You've just taken it to a really big place. Now, I want to ask a couple other questions so we can get a big picture of what's going on. Are you in one location or multiple locations? Have you expanded beyond your initial office? Yeah, good question. So back in uh, 2009, you know, we started getting the hanger for, you know, branching outside of a real estate office and opening our own shop. And we did. So at that point in time, we opened up and kind of grew and expanded. And in 2012, we launched a second office. And then since then, we've launched five additional offices. So we have a total of six sales locations, as well as we have our operations center, which basically is where the marketing team and the listing coordinators and closing coordinators and my client girls and my accounting ladies and the other businesses that I run are housed in an outside location outside of the sales offices. And then we have, again, six sales offices. Four of those six are in the same city, different corners of the city. And then we've recently expanded to two additional cities across the state of South Carolina, one in Columbia, South Carolina, which is about 100 miles away from our base, 
and then one in Greenville, South Carolina, which is about 200 miles away from the original base. Very good. So you're, it sounds like you're doing the expansion concept. Some teams are starting to do expansion and you're going, you're starting in a, a small focused area, your headquarters down, your hub, and then you're expanding out in tight concentric circles. It sounds like to me, rather than say taking an office in Honolulu or somewhere really far away from where you currently are. We've watched a lot of people do the expansion from their own way. And so we definitely took some lessons from that. The two expansion locations that we've got, um, the first one we've planted with someone that was homegrown from our original office. It was one of the managers of our initial office. He relocated his entire family and planted in the new city. Um, so challenge there is that he knew everything related to our teams and our processes and our systems, which was a very good thing. However, he knew nothing about the culture of the agents and the real estate market in the city he went to. And so his job was basically for him to move to the area, recruit 15 agents, of course, company would provide the leads. We'd help him with the leads for recruiting. Uh, we would grow those agents and help him train those agents. And then himself and those 15 agents, you know, would get on track to sell 150 homes, you know, within the first 12 months of being open. The other expansion office the gentleman that I opened it with was from Columbia, knew everything about the real estate market there, but had never been on a team or never been on our team. So knew nothing about our individual processes and systems and came from the general brokerage world, which moving from there to team is a challenge. But of course, moving from there to team and inside of a mega team in an expansion location makes it even that much more of a challenge. So both of the two different locations have experienced some challenges. However, they're very both different challenges, um, and we're working through both of them. And that team also is on track for almost 100 home sales this year with a team of seven or eight inside of that office in that area. So that's been a, a lot of our focus this year is trying to figure out, is this expansion thing viable and worthy, and how do you pull it off? And so far, so good. Our recruiting model is working really well there. Again, we've got 20 or 25 agents total in those two locations got office space in those two locations, and we've got lead generation going in those locations as well. For anybody that's thinking of doing expansion, I will say there are certain challenges that we've ran into that I'd be happy to share. Um, and a couple of those things are you're not respected in those areas from a marketing or a client standpoint or past client standpoint. So if you do any marketing in terms of, you know, whether it be social media or Facebook or billboard or radio or anything like that, those things are not going to take for the full first year that you're there. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And we underestimated that. We said, you know, let's go down here and launch billboards and radio and a social media campaign. And we got cricket for the first three months and we were scratching our heads like, what in the world's going on? And I think we underestimate the fact that when you have a brand presence in the city that you're in, that's not necessarily the way you win in your current city is not how you win in a new city. And it took us a while to figure that out. Unfortunately, a lot of money spent figuring that out. But hopefully that's a lesson that somebody listening today can learn from. What would you do differently if you expanded to a third city? I think um, instead of going after the image ads, instead of trying to do the shotgun approach, whether it be you know the radio campaigns, the billboard campaigns, instead of going after and doing those things right out of the gate, I would let some uh, listings come to fruition, you know, whether it be working expires or whether it be working circle prospecting or whether it be generating some online leads, some value leads. I would start with those low-cost lead generators, get some signs in the ground, get some brand recognition, grow the agent base, 
you know, ask my agents to distribute some information, some flyers, some home show booths, get the name out there first, and then go after the bigger, more expensive, costly items. Ah, very good. You would do a ground campaign first. Grassroots. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, when you're 100, 200 miles away, you don't necessarily plan on that because, you know, it's like I'm not there to lead the ground campaign, but that's still the way you win. That's absolutely the way you win. And when you think back on it, it's the same way that you won early on whenever you started doing your first city. So, you know, why not do it the same way as the second and third city? So you've created an interesting organization. You've got this hub, this core, and then you've got these six branches out there, four in your own city, two in other cities. I assume that it was really important to set up the core before you went out to these satellite offices. How important was the core, and what did you do to make sure that that admin was working uh, top-notch before you brought in the salespeople? I tell you, we could spend the entire call on this because the strength of the core is the strength of the team. I mean, of course, the agents on the ground have to be able to be able, you know, sell and things have to happen. But if all that's in play and the core still isn't strong, you're never going to be able to grow and expand and scale. And so let me tell you what we realized. Whenever we opened the second office back in 2012, that first location had all of my sales staff inside of it. And so then we launched the second office. And with that came a strong set of challenges. And some of those challenges there were the fact that the sales agents that were in the new office didn't get the same attention, so they felt, as the agents that were in the original office that kind of grew up and have rubbed elbows with the staff for years previous to that. And if they needed something, you know, they're eating lunch together, they're walking in and out of the office together, they're seeing each other in the hallway together. There's a whole lot more of opportunity for communication in an environment like that than there is whenever an agent is outside of the office. And so the agent that was on the other side of town didn't feel like they were getting the same fair shake that the other agents were getting inside of the main office. And so quickly we realized that either A, we got to shut down office B, or C, we have to go back and we have to separate our operations center from our sales center. And so we made a decision that we were going to, in 2013, um, 2013-14, somewhere in that range, we made a decision to move the operations staff off-site. And that was funneled by a couple of things. Number one, we decided, well, you know what? These operations folks are sitting in you know, desks that we need to put agents in. Um, and number two, if we take the operations staff off-site, then it will force the agents in the original office, and it will force the operations staff to really communicate better and stronger no matter where. And also, if we're going to scale into multiple offices, multiple cities, it's the only way forward is to be able to put the operations staff into their own location. So I went up the street, literally a mile down the road, rented some more office space, moved all my operations staff down there. And then the challenge became, well, wait a minute, the original office has always been reliant on all of these staff folks. Who's going to make the coffee? Hmm. <laughs> Who's going to order the supplies? Who's going to do all that stuff? And interestingly enough, the expansion office had figured that out with the agents, literally with no staff in it. None of, none of the six sales offices have any staff people inside of them. And I think that's a big deal. And the reason for that is because we want the agents to be able to be self-sustaining. Now, each of the locations has a manager and they get big enough. They have an assistant manager as well. And we'll get into that in a little more detail. But Going back to the idea of the operations center, there are no staff anywhere except the operations hub. That's it. 
and then as we grew that, the thing that we figured out was now, okay, instead of looking at it as an entire operation staff, we have to look at it as, all right, when the lead comes in, who creates the lead? Well, the marketing department does that. And so we've got a couple of folks in marketing. They help us generate our leads, run our online ads, do our social media stuff, do video creation, you know, help create our billboards. All that's done internally here. So I've got three or four folks in that department. And then after we receive a listing, then of course we have two or three people now in our listing department. And then after that's closings and after that's compliance and accounting. And then the ISA team also for all six of the locations are housed also out of the main operations center. Wow. Okay. That's pretty interesting. Now, you mentioned that out there on the satellites, out there in the sales offices, you have a sales manager and you have the agents. Uh, First of all, in your agents, do they split up and work just listings and just buyers or do they do both? And then how have you figured out the optimum number of agents per office? Well, no, that, uh, that is a lot of trial and error. Um, and so let me tell you what we found. We found early on that people were better doing listings and better buyers, and so we split them up. And then we found that something that it dawned on me one day, it says relationship trumps process. And what I figured out is that the process is that we want listing leads to go to listing agents and buyer leads to go to the buyer's agent. That was the process. That's what you know, a lot of the gurus out there taught me growing up. And we want your best agents to get out of the kitchen table. It's a competitive situation. And I still believe that's true, but I had buyer agents that were coming in. And keep in mind, we're growing. We're becoming a big company at this point. And I got buyer agents coming in saying, look, my friend wants to sell their house, but I can't even help them because I, I'm not on the listing team. And I have to give my friend over to this guy. But I already, And then I had a situation where a buyer agent gave the friend to a listing agent for whatever reason the lead, and then the listing agent didn't connect, and we didn't win the business. And I said, wait a minute, the buyer agent already had that business secured. The relationship trumped the process, but I tried to put process before relationship and we lost the business. And I said, so if I've got an agent that's not certified to do listings, but has an opportunity to do a listing, then why don't I just go ahead and let them do that listing? So about two years ago, we made the switch to anybody in the company can take a listing and is expected to have one to two listings all the time. That's the expectation. Now, we still have our certified listing agents that get that sit listing duty and still get the listing leads that come in that are the come list me's, if you will. You know, the past client or the billboard or whatever that says, hey, come and list my house. My best agents are still receiving those leads. But anybody in the company is eligible to get a listing if they go through our listing qualification training, which is put on by our listing manager. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV. Real Estate Agent Lead Generation Television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. What is physically in the office that's out there, the this, this sales office? Is it a bunch of desks? Is it a conference room? Are your agents working out of the space? Do they work out of their home? How big is the space? Is it a thousand square feet? You know, give us an idea of what that's looking like. Sure. So it depends on where it's at. And then what I mean by that is if we're closer to the city, obviously, you know, real estate there is more expensive. And uh, 
some of the ones in the suburbs are a little bigger. You know, our biggest office is 6,000 square feet. It also has a training center attached to it. So about 35, 4,000 of that is real estate office. And the back 2,000 is a training center. So that's the biggest office, um, but call it, say, 4,000 square feet of actual sales agent space. And our smallest office is about 1,500 square feet. And my rule of thumb on a sales office is that we need about 100 to 120 square feet per agent. So if I've got an office of 1,600 square feet and I divide that by 100 square feet, that means that I can get 16 agents in that office. If I have a 3,000 square foot office, then I can get, you know, with a maximum of about 30 agents in that office. Now, if you're really, really good with it, you can get it down to 80 square foot per agent, okay? But for a warm body that's kind of coming and going, when you require them to come there a couple times a week to meetings and call nights and business meetings and things like that, you know, we find that on average, 80 to 120, 100 is a good rule of thumb, square feet per agent. And so go directly into the office. Let's just pick one, for example. Um, let's pick the office that's kind of our original office. This is 6,000 square footer, okay? Again, 4,000 of that is the sales office. We also run real estate school and all that stuff out of the back for new agents joining. Um, but the idea is, is in that office, there's space for probably 36 agents, okay? And I'd say half of that's private office space. There's shared offices. And then the other half of that is cubicle space. However, we don't treat everything like assigned office space. About half of the space is what we call a hotel. Hotel means that when you leave, you take your stuff with you. An apartment means when you leave, you can leave your stuff there with you. And so if you hit a certain number of sales and you work your way up the totem pole, if you will, you move from a hotel space, i.e. virtual space, into an apartment where you can leave your stuff, hang stuff on the wall, bring your own computer and leave it there if you like. And so that's how we try to treat all of our spaces. And so for the agents that are there and working and doing the most, they're going to get, of course, an apartment. They're going to be able to keep their stuff there. They know where they're coming to work every single day. All of the other agents work in hotels, and they have the ability to stop by and use the hotel in this office or stop by and use the hotel in another office, you know, and it's just kind of the way we've coined it, apartment versus hotel, to make sure everybody knows it's virtual space or it's not. And so whenever you bring that hotel component to it, the virtual space to it and make sure that the office spaces are clearly marked. People know, you know, okay, well, not all agents are there at the same time. You walk in in an afternoon right now in that office down the street, I may have 12 or 15 agents out of 35 in the building, the way that it works. Well, the idea is, is they're not all there at the exact same time. So if they come in and use a virtual space and then tomorrow another one comes to use the virtual space, I don't need their own dedicated space for that. And so, that's how you can increase your number of agents if you like. But I do have some prospecting stations um, at each one. We do have a front desk space for each one. And I want to get back to the idea that we have no staff at any of these locations. We do have a front desk space for each location. And the reason we do that is that each, each agent has the ability to earn a duty day. And the way that we work duty day is very unique. It's taken a while for us to create the I'm very proud of how it's worked out, but agents in the office really want duty day. So as they also qualify for an apartment space, then they also become eligible for duty day. And duty day is actually sat at the front desk, and it's a morning shift and an afternoon shift. Okay, And the way that it works is any lead that comes in to the database for the first five minutes, you have access to that lead being on duty. And with that comes some other responsibilities as well. 
any call in that comes into that office, any walk in that comes to that office. It's also your job to make the coffee that morning. It's your job to make sure that the office base has a checklist. And agents are willing to complete the checklist and return for being able to have access to the leads that come into the database that particular day before anybody else gets access to them. So we are able to run the entire sales center with agents based on checklists and systems. I can tell what you're doing here is you're creating a career track for these agents to run on. You're creating a game worth playing for them to be there and to make it work. It's very exciting. And thank you so much for opening up a little bit with us and showing us how you're working with your team. What I'd like to do now, though, is because I don't want to lose this. I want to talk about how you're generating those leads for these people. and. I believe, I, if I understand correctly, one of the best ways that you're doing it, especially in your core market, is billboards and radio. Uh, you've told me that they work hand in hand. Could you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with billboards and radio? Sure. So um, in our area right now, we've got, um, we've got a lot of uh, billboards up. We had um, about 55 up, and my marketing lady accidentally ordered 50 more skins. <laughs> meaning the, you know, the skin that goes on the sign on the side of the road, she ordered an additional 50 skins. She clicked order twice. So she ordered 50, and then she accidentally clicked it twice and loaded up another 50 into the cart. And so now we have 100 skins show up when we've only purchased you know, 50 or 55 billboards. And so the problem is she comes to me and she goes, what do you want to do? And I said, well, call the billboard company up and let's see if we can put them up. And so sure enough, we do. So we have over 110 billboards up right now in real time here in just Charleston, South Carolina, uh, which is crazy. There's only about three or 400 total, so about every fourth billboard we're on. Um, so anyways, interestingly enough, we are dominating the market with billboards, and that's something that's a big deal for us. Now, I started with three, and then I went to eight, and then I moved up to 12, and then to 55, and then, of course, 110 by accident. But the idea is, is that it's not the more you put up, the more response yet because with the difference between 55 and 110 I, I don't really know that there, there's a point of saturation okay and so i just don't know that you know continuing to put more and more up and they're they're kind of expensive too by the way you know they're not cheap negotiate a large buy you might be able to get a little better price but you know billboards are a couple grand for each board for for a month to go up so plus the cost of the skin which is another couple hundred bucks so billboards for us have been that thing we, we try to be comical we try to be funny with our billboards We've shifted a bit instead of just being the comical, funny billboard guy to being, you know, one board that's funny. And then we'll switch. And then next time we'll go to a very professional looking, clean script board, you know, that may just be brand recognition or it may have a call to action. What we found is that early on, I didn't put my face on the board. And the billboard company called and said, you know what? It might be a good idea for you to add your face on there. And I said, you know what? want to be that guy that's down the street in hibachi and somebody comes up to me he's like hey you're that guy on the billboard but they said just test it out and so we did and with that came a bigger response it was personalized didn't get confused as a builder billboard as well there's a lot of builder billboards out there um, and then we moved to a couple months later they came back with an idea they said we got this idea for summertime we want to dress you up and you know, put these big sunglasses on again, sunscreen on your nose. And they sent me this picture. And I'm like, you know, these guys are crazy for doing this. And I thought they were punking me at first. I said, you know, I'd be real interested in doing that. And so I showed it to my wife and she goes, I think you should do that. And I said, I just don't know. 
And so I thought about it and I called him the next day and I was like, all right, I was like, we're going to do it. Go for it. And sure enough, more calls came in. And the more that you can relate to the audience out there, it's not all about thinking the perfect message. It's all about being relatable. Those people thinking that you're similar to them, you know, those, those responses typically get the best response. And so we just started playing with it. We came up with some funny stuff, you know, during the election back in 16, you know, we put a Trump and Hillary billboard up that said, moving to Canada, we can sell your home. <laughs> and that one has been our best billboard ever. We landed on both Fox News and CNN for that one. Uh, that's been our best one ever. We have a million views on our Facebook page from that, from that one billboard, which is just tremendous. But that really solidified us, especially in our market, because, you know, in our market at that point in time, people realized, oh, local real estate agent here. And then ever since then, our billboards have really taken off. And I don't know without that experience if it would have been as much of a, uh, as much of a recognition. But even so, we still did get some calls. I will say that the billboards are a better conversion piece than a lead generator. And let me explain what I mean. Whenever I'm sitting at the kitchen table talking with a seller and they've seen the billboards, that makes them say yes more often, but it didn't necessarily get me to the kitchen table, if that makes sense. Yes. In other words, it didn't generate the listing call. It helped me convert the listing call from something else. Okay. And so the idea is, is that if somebody's trying to generate more listing leads and they're budget conscious, I'm not sure the billboards is the right way to go. Okay. If you're having trouble converting, billboards is absolutely the right way to go because that is that will help you get recognition. And there's there's more of a when you do finally get face to face with that seller, there's more of a come list me mentality there because of the billboard. It's a local celebrity status, if you will. All right. So generating the listing lead early on was done for me more by radio than it was by billboard. Billboard just helped convert the actual phone call from the radio. Now. If your market is in a really, really positive market, a really good market, radio doesn't do as well, in my opinion, um, at least here in this whole experience in my area. Whenever the market was a little slower, whenever people needed a guarantee, whenever people needed to pay a little extra to hire the professional, that's when the radio calls really started ringing for us. Whenever the market's amazing, we still run radio. We still People still hear us, but we don't get a whole lot of come listenings off the radio anymore. We find it's more, it's more social media, it's more online reviews, more of those things than it is on the expense of radio billboards. It sounds like you were offering a guaranteed sell program on the radio, and when the market was down or slow, that worked extremely well. Now that the market is up, it doesn't have as much cachet. Are you still running the guaranteed sell ad? We are. We put a bit of a twist to it. Um, instead of guaranteed sale, it's now um, guaranteed offer on your home in 72 hours or an immediate buyout. Kind of we buy homes for cash. Our investment division has really picked up this past year. Our listing agents are participating in that with me. Whenever they sit at the kitchen table, they can wear their investor hat and their listing agent hat, and they're trained to go both directions. So we're going to, in the process, this year we'll probably buy and sell around 78 homes is what our goal is for this year. Um, A lot of those were listings that first called us. Some of them were generated by the investment company, but we created the investment company because our listing agents are going to the table so often. And so the idea is is that we are running some cross-branding between the two companies. And again, the, the message is guaranteed offer on your home within 72 hours and then a picture of me holding up a couple hundred dollar bills. And then also the message that just came down prior to that was immediate buyout. 
will buy your home without having to worry about showing it. And so, of course, the way that both of those work is we'll show up at the home, we'll present a offer to buy as is or an offer to, to list, and they decide which is better for them. And, of course, with the oncoming of all of these, you know, Zillow offer all of these companies that are just purchasing homes right out of the gate, we decided to be relevant in our space and try to offer that solution if that's what somebody really wanted. So now we're offering it, and at first a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, I don't know if that's the right thing to do for the client. Why not let the client decide that instead of you decide that? You don't decide if the client wants to accept to sell their home as is on a discount. You don't know their situation, so let them decide. And so we'll position a, an offer to the client somewhere in the 85% range and say, look, we can buy the home as is now, or we can list the home and get 100 to 103%. You decide which is better for you. And it's a variety. Sometimes they'll choose A, sometimes they'll choose B, but it's their choice. We're not pushing it on them. And for the agents out there that say, well, I don't think you should you know, buy their home at 85%, let the client decide that. You, you don't have any business deciding what's best for the client. It sounds like maybe 5 to 10% of the people are taking you up on the immediate sale. Yeah, I'd say that's a good estimation. And then what I'll do with that is those 5 to 10% of people that are taking us up on it, my listing agent will help oversee any rehab or resale of that property and then they'll participate in the profits on the backside. So instead of them getting a commission on the sale, they'll get a commission on the profit. Now, one of the other things that I understand that you do for lead generation is Google reviews. Is Google reviews generating leads or is it more closing the sale when you're in front of the client? So Google, it's, it's not closing the sale, I don't think. It's certainly helping contribute towards conversion, but I don't think that I don't think that's necessarily helping us get the conversion. I think people are doing the research ahead of time. And interestingly enough, because we have six locations, six sales offices, we have to have six sets of Google reviews, six sets of Facebook reviews, hmm. which makes it very challenging. I mean, each one of our locations has anywhere from 100 to 200 Google and 100 to 200 Facebook reviews. So multiply that times six, we have over 12 to 1,500 Google reviews and over 12 to 1,500 Facebook reviews spread out amongst those six locations. So we've been very, very intentional about making sure that we are well-reviewed and that we hover, you know, 4.8, 4.9 or higher. And the reason that's important to us is so that whenever someone Googles real estate agents, real estate companies and they're near our area, what happens is, is they'll see the, another real estate company that has eight reviews or 15 reviews, and then they'll get to ours that has 165 reviews with an average of 4.94. And they're like, you know what? It's kind of like there's just a domination effect there. And so what we find is, is that when people start Googling us because they hear about us, whether it be from a big sign, our signs, our signs out there are oversized and not the regular size, HOAs complain a lot, but we have you know small ones on backup. But between our big signs, between our bright signs, between our vans rolling around the street from our courier, between our billboards, are people just Google us. So there's a bit of a buzz out there. We also donate a lot of money back to the community, one percent off the top. We donate right back. So last year we donated, um, you know, that 8.3 million GCI. We donated a hundred thousand dollars back to the community, just so people out there would know who we are. We're sponsoring little league teams. We're sponsoring you know, people to go to mission trips, just all kinds of things. And so there's a buzz. We just, we always want the buzz going. Agents out there, some of them love us, some of them hate us, and that's fine. And the idea is that we want people talking about us regardless. And so 
is always who is this Jeff Cook and who is this Jeff Cook real estate company? And that's that's what you want. You want that. A lot of people can't handle that, but that's what it takes in order to get to the big leagues. And so the idea is is that whenever they go out and Google us and they see all these positive reviews online and Facebook, Google, and people talking about their experience and then social media experiences and then us recording our agents talking about how we've changed their lives and then recording our clients putting in video testimonies of how we've changed their lives and helped them achieve this. And they just bought the home instead of helping sell it for us or they sold it for top dollar. All these stories out there, that's what helps shape people's opinion and actually pick the phone up and decide to call you. Um, and so also with Zillow, you have the ability to join the agents in to your team. And as they get a review, it gives them both a review as well as it gives one to the team profile. So we have, you know, four or 500 reviews there as well. And the agents are benefiting from that. Some of our agents are getting direct phone calls from, you know, their Zillow reviews as well as the reviews that they've helped get online. And so periodically we'll do a review challenge internally. You know, we'll give away a cruise or something. We'll have all of our agents participate, whoever can get the most reviews between past clients or whatever. Then, you know, we'll give away a cruise to those agents or, you know, steakhouse dinner downtown for two. And that really helps out. That's how we've just being very, very, very intentional about online reviews, getting the net promoter score from the client after every single closing and asking them for a review, you know, asking if they enjoyed the experience, what could we have done better, finding out those details and just staying on top of that. So many people, you know, lose touch with the client after the fact, and we just really want to make sure that we love on them and hug them and invite them to future events and give them, you know, Thanksgiving pies and invite them to baseball games. And we do that, you know, and that's, that's what's caused, I think, the success more so than any specific marketing thing. Everybody's like, well, what's the magic pill for marketing? You know, is it the billboard? What radio ad is it? All of that starts the buzz, but that's not what makes the phone ring. They're smart enough now where they're going to go online. They're going to Google you and your company to figure out what you're all about and see what other people's experiences and what that social experience is all about. And so if anybody listening hasn't done this, just go to Google and type in your name, type in the name of your team, type in the name of your company, how high do you come up? If you type in your name and your personal website's not coming up and there's other websites that are coming up or big portal websites that are coming up prior to that, you have to do whatever it takes to fix that because that means you're not getting those eyeballs and those traffic to your site. You're having to buy that traffic back from other sites. And that's not good. And we've, we've changed that. We fixed that. And by doing the online reviews, that's helped us get that SEO presence back to our website versus having to buy it back from the big box portals. Jeff, thank you for for walking us through that. You have a really large team. Uh, You've got a lot of offices. You're in growth mode. First question I have here in this zone is, is how big do you see this getting? Do you have a goal for how many people you want on your team or how many transactions you want sold or uh, which state you want to be in? Do you have, how big do you see this, the vision for this? So our goal is to get to 4,000 families served over the next you know, five to six years. Uh, we've got a pathway to get there. Um, again, it'll be 1,350 families served or closings this year. And then next year, we're going to aim for that 1,750 mark. And then we'll try to blow past the 2,000. Our goal is to increase by 30 to 40% every single year over the next five or six years. And we're going to scale leads and systems and listings and agents until we get to that goal and then figure out where our next step is after that. And the reason that we, we want to do that is because, you know, the real estate transaction is, is very simple but complex at the same time. 
And what I mean by that is it's simple because we've got a buyer that wants to buy and a seller that wants to sell. But by the time you get wrapped up into all the details of it and the closing process and the escrow process and how do we meet this person to begin with, and, and by the time you figure all that out, it gets very intricate, even though it's extremely simple. And so the thing is, is that we're changing lives internally and externally. You know, I've got a group of people that work for me that are, you know, I've had more agents this year buy and move into a brand new home than I've ever had before. And man, I just, I can't tell you how good that feels. These people are changing their lives. They're having their friends over. They're getting married and, and just inviting people over for cookouts. And, and it's just, it's just really, I'm watching it from a distance and it's changing their lives. And then together, myself and my agents, you know, from an internet standpoint, I've been going out into the community and we're reaching out to all of these people, helping them change their lives, you know? And so these people are buying these homes, they're gaining equity, they're having, you know, cookouts at their homes and friends over and growing their families and just why, and that's the big why, that's why I do it. That's, that's the whole reason why I do it because remember back to the original part of the story, I got laid off for doing good, for being a great salesperson and working hard, I got laid off. And so my commitment to my guys is that I'm never going to come to you and say, look, we can't have you anymore because you're working so hard at doing so good at servicing these families. That's not who we are. We actually want to be the opposite of that. We want to reward that. We want to help them continue to grow and change lives and better in the community, give more money back to the community, improve the community. And that's really what we're all about. And that's kind of why we do it. In the next five years, our goal is to get 4,000 families served each year. Well, Jeff, you got this large organization. You've described quite a few pieces of it. People are going to be wondering, are you profitable? Absolutely. Yeah. And when we're in major growth mode, we run 10 to 12% profitability every year. Um, whenever we're not in hyper growth mode, we run probably closer to 18 to 19% profitability. So it just depends what our, our goal is. Our goal right now is, is hyper growth mode. We are hyper growth focused on adding locations, adding offices, expanding new cities, you know, new agents, more leads. Whenever you have to invest in all of that, we just hired a full-time trainer. When you have all those things going, profitability is naturally lower. If you're just growing naturally, then your profitability can be substantially higher. And so for us, you know, on a, on a not great year, it's 10 to 12%. However, because we're hyper growth, that 10 to 12% is of a much bigger number than, you know, the 19% it could have been on a smaller number. So it all evens out in the end. Jeff, if uh, you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Do everything opposite the real estate brokers tell you to do. Uh, so the brokers out there are all about, you know, you got to get your name out there and you got to do this and that. And all the time, you know, agents get hung up and miss what a buyer or seller is looking for. Okay. And buyers don't care about Jeff Cook or, you know, Mike, the real estate agent. They just don't care. They just don't care. But if I'm, let's say, for example, that you and I, Mike, if I remember right, you're in the Denver area. Is that right? That's correct. Well, let's say you're relocating to uh, my area and you have no idea who I am. All right. And let's say, for example, that you're looking for a property here and you've decided whether it's job relocation or, you know, spouse job relocation, whatever it is, you're coming to my area. Okay. And you start getting online and looking. You're probably not going to type into Google, show me the top real estate agent or show me the best real estate agent. Instead, you're shopping for the commodity, the house. You're shopping for, you know, where you and your family are going to settle down at and call home, okay? Now, the real estate agent may ultimately help you get to that point, but people don't go to the real estate agents anymore to find that commodity. 
they shop for the commodity online and somewhere along the way, the real estate agent inserts themselves into that process. And so whenever I'm a new agent and I start advertising my name out there, people just don't care. It's like playing the, the internet to an ant. They just don't care. They don't understand. They don't know what, uh, that's great. I'll call you if I ever need you. But in the meantime, I want to shop for home. And the real estate agents think, wait a minute, that's what I do. I, I help you shop for homes, you know, pick me. And the buyers are resistant to that. And they have the salesperson resistance up and they don't want to talk to real estate agents. They want to instead shop for the commodity. And so if I advertise the 10 best buys here in my area that fit the price and description that you are looking for, Mike, you and your family would reach out about that. And then the real estate agent part naturally inserts itself into that conversation. But you didn't come to me initially looking for me as the real estate agent. And so having a top 10 best buy list in an area or advertising the commodity itself is always going to get much more of a response for a newer agent than trying to advertise your name out there. Because we've got seven, 10,000 agents here. You're not going to out-advertise all seven to 10,000 other agents. But if they have a reason to pick you for the commodity, then they will. A quick question. I don't want to forget this. We were talking earlier. Do you have something called Inside JCRE? I'm trying to remember what that is. Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking that. So we are January 10th and 11th of 2019. We are going to open up all of our real estate offices here in Charleston, South Carolina. And we're going to invite people to come to Charleston. And the tickets for this thing are, are really cheap. I'm talking 180 200 bucks just enough to cover the venue and the cost and enough to give everybody the materials they need for the event. But we're going to share our buyer presentations. We're going to share our listing presentations. We're going to have access to our sales managers. How do we run the perfect sales meeting? What are our inside sales agents look like? And if people are looking to recruit agents or inside sales agents, we're going to have all of those ads there. How do we do that? How do we grow our team to 100 team agents? What do our splits look like? And basically inviting everyone to come inside JCRE, which is Jeff Cook Real Estate, and see in the belly of it all what it looks like and how we run as a team so that people have the ability to learn how to grow their team as well and also how they can learn how to structure their team from an operational standpoint or an agent standpoint. And it's not just for team leaders. It's for admin staff as well. We're going to have training sessions for that as well as we're going to have training sessions for agents. And so it's going to be something that's really cool. The information can be found at InsideJCRE.com. Wow, that is cool. I hope everybody goes and checks that out. Well, Jeff, this has been a, a lot of fun. I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, when it gets hard, you're getting ready to have a breakthrough, so don't give up. If you're out there and you're struggling, you're trying to figure out whether you can keep powering through, just find it inside of you somehow to keep going. I remember early on, there was a couple of different times where I was scratching my head wondering if it was going to work out, and it did. And so I can tell you it's everything that you hope it'll be if you keep your mind and energy going in the right direction. So don't let that stinking thinking get in the way and keep plugging forward. Well, Jeff, great advice on moving forward. You are blurring the lines between a team and a brokerage. Are you a small brokerage or a massive team? You are challenging the ideas of what a team can be and pushing team dynamics to new levels of production. I can't wait to hear where you take the team next. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 108 homes last year worth $35 million working with his wife. Find out who he is on the next success call. 
If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.